You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We are in the middle of this piece of the Talmud, and you can see from the screen that this comes from Gemara Shabbos, Gemara Shabbat, Chavdalid, Chavdalid Amalal, 24a. And the question that concerns the Talmud, that uh, a number of issues that the, the, the rabbis were struggling with and trying to figure out uh, was when you have a confluence of various days, Shabbos, Shabbat, and Yom Tov, Hanukkah, and Yom Tov, Hanukkah, and Rosh Chodesh, what, how do you uh, determine the significance of the presence of the Hanukkah or Chalamoed within the Shabbos, within the Yom Tov, Shabbos and Yom Tov together? You'll see what I mean in a second, uh, how it plays out in terms of our tefillot. Yesterday, we were talking more about Birchat HaMazon. We're talking more about what's Ma'akev, what is it that is essential for your benching. Today, let's take a look at where we left off yesterday. We'll start with the key Gemara words here. Iboy Luhu. Iboilu, again, is a key Gemara word. You can underline it if you want to print it out. Iboilu. Uh, and if, if you do have a Gemara, I should say where we are. It's going to take me a while to find the, the amount of lines. Let's start from the top. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. The 32nd line. <laughs> It'll be easier to go from the bottom. Whenever you actually are trying to um, you know, take a Gemara apart, uh, the best thing is to actually not show great respect and write all over it. Uh, that's what you want to do. Uh, if, if you're really, it's just like any thing that you want to get control over. You want to be able to um, you want to be able to really enjoy and feel you own, don't worry about it. The pages were meant to be um, used and written on and to really show the sign of your use, the fact that you really invested so much in it. Um, my Rebbe, Rav Moshe Heinemann, I should be gesund, said over from his teacher, Rav Aaron Kotler, his Rebbe, uh, the famous statement that the Gemara makes, it says the Mishnah makes him, Ein Kemach, Ein Torah. That if there's no flower, there's no Torah. So most people think that what that means is, and of course the real shot is, is that people got to eat. Uh, Torah needs to be supported. You know, the Kemach represents the bare aspect of the essence, of, uh, essential aspect of food. And if you don't have Kemach, you're not going to have Torah. Rav Heinemann said that his Rebbe told him that uh, what does it mean in Kemach? That you have to actually, when you have the, the, the page that is in front of you, your hands should have worked the page so aggressively that the page is almost falling apart like flour. The page is meant to be used. It's meant to really insert itself into it. So if you are you know, really wanting to, to make this work, you print the page out, you write all over it, you're on page 32, you do whatever you can to really dominate and control the page the best you can. 
Okay, so that's so on that 30-second line, if you are writing up the pages, let's take a look. Iboilu, mahu, what would be? Iboilu means they asked the question. Iboilu was a question that was asked to them. It's anonymous, but it was in the base medrash. Uh, they wanted to know. Mahu, what would be the din? Lahaskir shel Chanukah b'musafen. Okay, now that of course happens uh, every Chanukah on two days, right? Chanukah uh, is an eight-day holiday, so it's going to have a Shabbat. And since it's the 25th day of Kislev that starts, it always has a Rosh Chodesh. So here's the question. You have a day of like Shabbos or uh, Rosh Chodesh, and you're davening Musaf. Do, does Chanukah need to be said as part of Musaf? Now, we know where you mention Chanukah. It's the Alan Nisim. And that's mentioned in the end of the Shemona Esrei, the end of the Amida, in the Brach of Hoda'ah. Hoda'ah. Do you need to add Awanisim there? And if you don't, that's really the point. Would you have to read Davin? You forgot Awanisim and Musaf. That's really the question. Why? What, what, and now, remember what I said yesterday. Whenever you have Iboiluhu, the Gemara is usually, most of the time, going to give you the two possibilities. It was asked, and here are the two ways of looking at it. Here's the first way. Kavan, remember what that means. That is uh, the direction. Kavan, directing. Like Kavanah. Kavan, it's usually translated as since. But here's direction one. Kavan, to let be musaf. Bididei. Chanukah on its own. Let be. There is not to it. Let be. Let is not with an aleph. It would be is. That's yes. Less, like think about less, means it's a negative. Less means not. Let be. There's not in it. It's masculine, but it means the holiday. It means Chanukah. Let be. There isn't in Chanukah in itself. Next line. Musaf. Hanukkah doesn't have a Musaf in it, as we just mentioned yesterday. The Musaf, of course, is aligned with what was done in the Beit HaMikdash. The Musaf is the extra prayer that's inserted, that we say on Shabbat, on Rosh Chodesh, uh, on these days, because it, it parallels what was happening at the Beit HaMikdash. In the Beit HaMikdash, there was an extra carbon. That's the word Hosafa, like something that was added. So therefore, our tefillot on those days have that extra aspect. So Hanukkah by itself, in terms of what Hanukkah was supposed to be, there's no musaf inherently in Hanukkah. Kibben the lespe musaf bididei. Hanukkah itself doesn't really have a musaf. It's not a, 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 a Torah holiday. So there's no musaf in Hanukkah. So obviously this question would not be a question on Chalamoed. Obviously Chalamoed, you, you must mention uh, in the musaf all about the Yom Tov. Because every day of Pesach, of, of, of Sukkot or Pesach, even if it would be Chalamoed, you would have to bring a korban. So obviously, Chalamoed owns Musaf. But Hanukkah doesn't. Therefore, since Hanukkah is really, you know, it happens to be, you're davening Musaf, but that's only because of what's, that it's Shabbat. It's only because it's Shabbos. It's only because it's Rosh Chodesh. So therefore, I don't need to mention Hanukkah here. I'm doing this not because of Hanukkah at all. Therefore, that uh, argument would be, lo, you don't, mad karinon. 
Remember what I told you before that there's always, uh, you know, that you can always have, you can use a jastro and figure out what the word madkarina means. But there's always some keys of remembering. The dalid in Aramaic uh, switches with the Zion of Hebrew. So dachar is zachar. The word dachar is the exact same Hebrew word for of zachar which is to state, to, we usually say it's to remember, to, to evoke. So, lo mat karinan, you don't say it. <laughs> that would be the side of not saying it. Lo mat karinan. It's, again, it, 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 it's confusing because in the question, we, we, we phrase the question in sort of Hebrew. Mahu lahaskir, which is more Lashon HaKodesh. And here's the Aramaic version of the same word. Mat karinan. But Again, to me, this is the way people talk. Uh, you know, they, you know, there's a um, there's a scene in uh, a real a great movie, <laughs> um, and it always brings this back to me. Uh, in uh, in in glorious uh, uh from Tarantino, there's a great scene where the Nazis have discovered uh, the infiltration of the spies, and it's done in some da- in some basement cafe, and the guy realizes that uh, the spy realizes he's going to die, so he asks the Nazi if he could if he could start talking in English, but he says, "Do you mind if I if I use the king's? In other words, do you mind if I use the king's language? Because uh, he wants to be able to speak in the pure form." So he wants to he wants to die you know the minutes before he dies he wants to be able to speak like a pure Englishman speaking the king's English. There is no really king's Aramaic, you know. Aramaic doesn't have that purity. It doesn't have that uh, purity of of language. It, it always has this mixture of like like why'd you use that Hebrew word in there? And you know it's sort of like it, it's like Yiddish. Where and it doesn't even keep the same rules. It, it's like uh, the Yiddish vernacular. It's the it's it's the Yiddish of the masses, as opposed to like the Bundist Yiddish. You know the the pure Yiddish. The Aramaic of the Talmud is is, is a lot of times mixes and matches. And here you see an example of it: Madkarinon, Maskir, and then you have the Aramaic. It, it, it goes into the Aramaic here: Madkarinon. Which is the Aramaic of the same word. Anyway, keeping the less by Muslim today, lo mad karinon. Maybe we shouldn't mention it. Here comes the other side of the argument. Oh, remember I mentioned this word yesterday. Normally, uh, normally uh, articulate, normally pronounced in the yeshiva world as Dilma. It really is not Dilma rhyming with Wilma from the Flintstones. It's really more Dilema. Dilema. Maybe we could say the other way. Look, they knew when they were making Hanukkah that it was going to be eight days. This is a day that is Chayiv in four days. It's definitely Hanukkah. This day is as much Hanukkah as the other days are. It happens to be this day has an extra davening in it. It has Musaf. But it's, it's a day, and it's a Hanukkah day. And it's true, today's different than yesterday, because on Friday we only dive in three Shmon Esres, three Amidot. And on Shabbat there were four. For Shkodesh there was four. But that, that's part of the game. That, that was the idea. We know every day is a little bit different. 
but this is part of Hanukkah, and therefore Hanukkah needs to be mentioned in every prayer you're going to say of that day. And if you don't, there's something missing, maybe. <laughs> and you have to go back and repeat Shmon Esrei, perhaps. That is the Gemara's question. Okay, so you can see the two arguments. Both, usually if they're articulated well, you can see both sides. What makes things interesting, just like it was yesterday, is the great rabbis divided on each side. Rav Huna v'Rav Yehuda. And that's a lot of pedigree right there. Uh, Kivilevich's antennas are up right here because these names are really out of order. Yehuda was the older of the rabbis. Huna took over the yeshiva from Yehuda. Um, Why is it even a question? Okay, why is there a question whether you have to say Alanisim or not? It's, it's like saying uh, someone is going to a grocery store and, and he's going shopping and he knows he needs to buy something and someone asked him to buy him something. So he's there anyways. He's going to bring it anyways. Okay. So same thing with the prayer. If he's da- if he's davening Mosav and you could add it, you know, since it's Hanukkah, so you add it. And if you forget it, so you forget it. It doesn't mean you have to go back and do it all over again. Okay, um, I, I think the question, Effie, is how demanding is it? In other words, yeah, if it's like the guy in the grocery. Oh, I forgot. What are you gonna? Are you gonna? Are you gonna get upset at him? The guy in your med and your muscle. The guy was at the grocery store. He forgot to get you the lima beans. And now when you come home, you say, "Do you have my lima beans?" Oh, I forgot. I had them in my hand. And I forgot. All right, listen. You know, you're not gonna be too upset at him. You know why? Because it was his shopping trip. You wanted to you wanted to to get a favor from it. Oh, but but here the question is: Are we going to make you daven the Shmon Esri again? Are we going to say that was a that was a flawed Shmon Esri that you did because you forgot Hanukkah? Uh, you forgot what this but day was time, about. You don't have to daven again. Maybe you do. Right, That's you the don't, question. If if you if you would if you're but if but if you're davening and you add the prayer, okay, so you added it. But if someone forgets, right, you forget. It's not, so you go back to the original point. It's not that you wouldn't do, to be doing most of it was Hanukkah anyways. So you forgot. So if you did it, great, and you forget. So, uh, But maybe, maybe not, Effie. Maybe you need to actually pay service to every prayer. If As, as important as Allah Nisim is in in, 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 in Shacharit, it's just as important in Musaf. That's the question. That was the question. So let's take a look. Actually, they, there was a debate about it. Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda, as I said, the, the order bothers me, but they were both students in Surah. Each one had was able to study by Rav. Rav Huna, towards the end of Rav's life, uh, he got in there. And Rav Yehuda, obviously, the Amri Tarvayo, they both said together, like they issued a joint ruling, Amri, that they said Tarvayu together. What did they say together? Eno Maskir, that you do not say it, meaning it's it's not essential. You don't even have to say it at all. <laughs> it's not. It, it doesn't even have to be part of the Tefillah, because it's 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 a foreign element. That is right. That is what Rav Huna Rav Yudah said. Rav Nachman, 
who again lived in Babylonia. We had him in yesterday's Dafyomi in the, in the Shir. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman Bar Yaakov, that's who he was. And he was a pretty big uh, macher, as we say, in, in Babel. He was a very uh, important posek. And Rav Yochanan, back in Eretz Yisrael, we're telling you to Amre Tarvayu. Now, obviously, they didn't say it together because they didn't even live exactly in the same time. So this is the Talmud sort of putting these ideas together. And, and, and again, it comes up a lot in the Talmud, the, these two words. The Amre, that they said, Tarvayu, both of them. So if you look at it literally, it sounds like we want to issue a joint ruling of Democrats and Republicans. This is the way it has to be. It's like it has more power. But this is actually not true in this case. They didn't say it together. The Talmud, in their research, found two rabbis on one side and two rabbis on the other. But Nachman and Yochanan would not have been speaking together. They didn't live in the same time or in the same place. So here the Talmud is sort of trying to strengthen the position of each. So we have two big guns on one side and two pretty large guns on the other side. So what do you do? Now, when you're looking at a Talmud page, a lot of times you want to cheat and say, well, here it says, Maskir, aha, uh-huh. there's a little Yud here, as you can see. That tells you, as we've said before, that the halacha is like that you would mention Al-Hanisim in Musaf. Now, again, as to Effie's question, how important is it? Does it become an essential part of the Tvilah to the point that you, you would have to say the Shemona Esrei over? Now, I have to tell you that this is really dependent on another question, which is, how about if you forget Al-Hanisim and Shacharit? Do you have to say it over? So it can't be more than it is in Shacharit. And the truth is, the halacha, although I, there might be a discussion about this, is if you forget Al-Hanisim, uh, during the, the, the Mariv or Shachris or Mincha, you don't have to go back and repeat the Shmon Esrei. You have a flawed Shmon Esrei, to be sure, but it, it, you don't have to repeat the Shmon Esrei. I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but the question is, how would you write the demand originally? So Yochanan and Nachman said, yes, say Al-Hanisim in Musaf. Huna and Yehuda said not like that. Next, in this discussion, we have the next words. Omar Abaya Rabbi Yosef. Now, Abaya was a Babylonian. He was a head of yeshiva himself. I always, uh, again, Abaya and Rava, they always go together. Abaya was, uh, you know, just like, again, it shows you that I'm a child of the 60s, but it always reminds me, it always reminds me about um you know, the, when I want to remember Abaya, he was like like Avis, you know, in the rental company. Abaya, Avis, somehow the olive and the bays were in my brain. He was always number two, the number two Godel Ador in his time. Rava was the was the king of Shas. Abaya was number two. Abaya is usually mentioned before Rava. And I think part of that is the Talmud setting up Rava to be better than, than Abaya. Um, but anyway, Abaya is the number two man in, in his time. But he was also, in many ways, he was Rava's superior, the Gemara says, in terms of chesed, that he was an incredible Baal chesed, Abaya. And uh, although he was a person that, according to uh, our tradition, 
was a descendant <coughs> of Eli a Kohen. He was a Kohen. Now, Eli was told by the Navi that none of his descendants would ever live past the age of 20, that they would die young. And Abaya actually was able to live till 60. And the Gemara says the reason why was because he was Osik in Torah Gemilas Chasodim. So he, he doubled what should have been his lifespan, or tripled it actually, right? He should have died by 20, and he died by 60 because of the Chesed. Now, normally when I look, and I look through Shas to see Abaya's Chesed, the main Chesed that he showed, the way I saw it, was that his teacher, Rabbi Yosef, he was, was suffering at the end of his life from a form of, you know, of dementia in a way, his, his incredible memory had, had started to devolve. And that's what made Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef was his incredible memory. And uh, you see throughout Shas, when, when you see Abaya and Rabbi Yosef, uh, the Talmud recounts Abaya's kindness in dealing with Rabbi Yosef and the way he spurs him to continue to remember to, to the, the way he treats him with such respect, even though he's clearly not the same Rabbi Yosef that he had been, you know, in, in, in his strength. And that, I believe, is, 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 is where you see Abaya's chesed on display. And um, we're going to see here an interaction between Abaya and Rabbi Yosef. This, I think Rabbi Yosef still has his intellectual capacities here. But whenever I see Abaya and Rabbi Yosef, I'm always looking for the subtleties within their interaction because I think it's from there that we can learn in many places what it means to give real human dignity to people. But here's Abaya. Amar Abaya with Rabbi Yosef. Okay. Rafuna and Rabbi Yehuda we just mentioned, they're the ones that say that you, they're the ones that say that you don't mention uh, al anisim. It's not even in the Siddur. <laughs> you don't, it's not even in the Siddur uh, in Musaf. al anisim doesn't even register. Aha. Uh-huh. This that they said, Rafun and Yehuda, you know where they got it from? Diravu. It comes from the great Amora Rav. Ooh, it's from Rav. Rav, of course, that first generation Amora, the one who was a Zoha to have studied under Yehuda Hanossi, um, who came to Babylonia, who came to Bovel, and the Gemara says when Rav came to Bovel, he found an open valley, Bikamotza. He found an open valley that needed some fencing. And what did he do? He created a fence. And the fence was the yeshiva. The yeshiva of Sur. They had their old yeshiva, and those were fine. But Rav wanted to bring a dynamism into study that would keep students coming back and that would make sure that as Israel was going to be in decline, Eretz Yisrael, the, the, the nature was, because of the persecutions and other things that were occurring in Eretz Yisrael, Bavel needed to be set up on the firmest possible basis. And therefore, Rob did something a little bit maverick. He decided to create a new yeshiva where there were plenty of yeshivas. He has a new yeshiva called Surah. There is a tradition that Rav actually brought with him dirt uh, from Israel uh, that he put into the bricks. And they say that it was dirt that Rav gathered 
from the uh, the Mokum of the Beis Hamikdash. That Rav gathered dirt from the from the Mokum of the Beis Hamikdash, and he put those into the bricks or the building material that built that yeshiva that was called Sura. And both Huna and Yehuda served as Rosh Yeshivas in those places after the death of Rav, who was the person who started that yeshiva. So this is what Abai is saying to Rav Yosef. Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda got it from Rav. Oh, well, how do you know that? Because we have a tradition of Rav. The Yomar Rav Gidl, Omar Rav, Gidl, one of Rav's prime students as well. Rosh Chodesh, Shabbat. Let's say you have a Rosh Chodesh and Shabbos together. Okay. Now, obviously, Musaf you would say anyway. But there's one thing you wouldn't say on a regular Rosh Chodesh that you say on Shabbos. What's that? You read the Torah on Rosh Chodesh, true. You read the Torah on Shabbat. But the Takana of reading Haftorah, of reading uh, sections of the Navi, that is not done on a Rosh Chodesh. We don't take out the Navi to read on Rosh Chodesh. That is a Shabbos activity. It's a Shabbos demand. And of course, there's reasons behind it. Uh, I don't want to get into that now. Why you have to have Torah reading and Navi reading? <laughs> Why does there have to be both? Part of it has to do with the fact that there was persecutions and they weren't able to read from the Torah the way Moshe and Ezra wrote up the original Takana and, and reading from the Navi was allowed um, and, and was able to sort of supplement in some way uh, the lack of the reading of the Torah. But a Rosh Chodesh never got a, a Navi reading. So let's say you're reading the Navi, you're reading the Haftorah, Hamaftir, meaning, of course, the one who ends, right? Maftir, like Eid Maftir and Achar Pesach Afikomen, the one who is poter, the one who ends things, who says, okay, we've we finished. We have now done everything we need in terms of reading. The one who ends off, the one who, who is the maftir, who is, who is the poter, Benavi, and the way he does that is reading from Navi, reading from the words of the Nevi'im, Bishabbat, of course, because it's Shabbat and you're reading the Haftorah, reading the Navi portion. After the end, you make another bracha, right? You make a number of brachos after you read from the Navi, right? Rachem no ala Torah, ala bodah, right? When you mention that last bracha, enot tzarech lahaskir shol Rosh Chodesh. You don't have to say that this is Rosh Chodesh, right? So, for example, I have a sitter here in front of me. So, for example, when when you are when when you when the maftir, of course, would say, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, right? Right. When you get to the part, ala Torah, ala vodav, ala neviim, malyom hashabbat hazeh. So you wouldn't have to say if it is rosh chodesh, valyom rosh chodesh hazeh. You wouldn't say rosh chodesh. You don't say rosh chodesh. You just say yom shabbat, even though it's rosh chodesh. And why did Rav say that? Why did Rav say there's no reason to say Rish Chodesh? It's because, let's go to the next word here, She'il Malay Shabbat. Il Malay means if it would not be. Elo, sort of like a big compound word. Elo, if there would not be. Il Malay, Elo Malay, if there would not be can't really tell you how this compound word came to be, but that's what it means. She'il malay, that it would not 
be Shabbat for Shabbat, ain Navi Berosh Kodesh. There would no be there would no be reading from the prophetic books of Rosh Kodesh. Therefore, what's Rosh Kodesh being mentioned? It has nothing to do with here. Rosh Kodesh has no relevance here. So that was a psak of Rav. Now that was so Abaya. Think about what we've just said. Abaya therefore makes a parallel. The same way Rav famously ruled that we don't mention Rosh Kodesh in that bracha of the Maftir, Chanukah would not be mentioned in Musaf because Chanukah is really not a Musaf day. It seems to be a good parallel. Therefore, Yehuna and Yehuda's Psak was based on the precedent of Rav. It's not that Rav actually addressed their issue exactly, but it's the same idea. So here is an extraction. This is about what Talmud is, finding the similar and salient point. And that's what Abayah just did. And he said, that is called precedent. That's the precedent in Rob's psaac to his students' psaac about the particular question in front of them, about whether the Musaf of Hanukkah needs to have the mention of Alanisim in it. And he brings the proof from the, uh, the, the case of Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, reading the Navi. Okay? Now, all of this, I think, should give everybody pause that you see that a lot of the things we take for granted, like the Siddur, was not, was in flux, right? It was, it was not so clear what you're supposed to do. Even to the time of the Amarayim, the second, third generations of Amarayim, things were still up in the air about how you're supposed to daven and what you're supposed to say. And, and there might have been areas that had different customs about it. It did not become unified until much later. Even now, you wouldn't really call it complete unification. But anyway, let's take a look and see what Rabbi Yosef answers back to his student. He says, look at these two words, me, dummy, me, dummy. The word dummy doesn't mean a a negative thing, but it actually means, is it similar? Like dome, like the Hebrew word dome, is this similar? Me, dummy, do you, do you really have a, a, a real similarity? I don't believe so, Rabbi Yosef tells Abaya. And here's another key word of the Gemara, hatam, hatam, hasam, there, shum. Remember, the tough and the shin are always interchangeable. Shum, over there, in the case of Rab's psak about the reading of the bracha after the, the haftorah bracha, Think about it. Navi, the idea of taking out the book of the Navi and reading the book of the Navi, here's a Rashi Tevot here, but again, a lot of the thing is in context on the Gemara page. These Rashi Tevots are easy, the bottom of the last two, because you have to realize, what have we been talking about? We're talking about Rosh Chodesh. So therefore, that should already tip you off that this Reish Ches, with the Streichel here, is Rosh Chodesh. Okay? I know it's hard when you look at it, what's that, Badrach, Badrach, what is that, Badrach? Well, you know it's not Badrach because the, the printers put in the Streichel, they put in these, this little chichik here, this Streichel here, telling you it's, it's not a word, it's, 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 it's shorthand for something, right? It's, it's an abbreviation. 
aha, it's each letter sort of like, it sort of, sort of, sort of stands for something. So in context, you know, this is Rosh Chodesh. Once it's Rosh Chodesh, then these are words about Rosh Chodesh. Bidit, in referring to, in referring to Rosh Chodesh, bid the Rosh Chodesh. And again, here's another key Gemara word, Leka. There is not. There is not what? There is not Navi. There's no Navi Kalal. Kalal means at all, like the word kol. There's no, there's not a residue, there's not an element of Navi at all in Rosh Kodesh. You never take the Navi out. The Rosh Kodesh never demands a public reading from the prophets in any part. However, in our case, the case of Hanukkah, the day of Hanukkah, Chacha, here in the day of Hanukkah, Isay Ba'aravit. We obviously say Alanisim today. It's Shabbat. We said Alanisim on Friday night. Okay. Shacharit. We definitely said Alanisim during Shacharit. We're going to say it Umincha. So you see that Alanisim is playing a role here. That Alanisim, here it is, it's a Shabbat davening with Alanisim together. So therefore, you can't compare that. To, to the reading of the Haftorah. The reading of the Haftorah has, it, 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 there's no, it doesn't have any fingerprints at all, Rabbi Yosem says, of a Rosh Chodesh aspect. Rosh Chodesh and Haftorah never go together. But Shmon Esrei's and al always go together. Even this day of Shabbat, the three Shmon Esrei's, the other three Shmon Esrei's, all had al mentionings. So maybe it goes together in the Musaf as well. So uh, Rabbi Yosef therefore tells Abaya, good try, but it really is not the same. It really is not a parallel. Okay. So you have a word, Ella. Ella means, all right, let's, let's erase the blackboard and redo it. Ella, most people will say Ella means but, right? Ella means but. It, 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 it means more than that. Ella is, Ella at this point means, let's, let's try something else. Ella l'cha damia. This is Rabbi Yosef training his student Abaya. L'cha damia. This is what it would be similar to. <laughs> in other words, Rabbi Yosef is going to show him a psak from Rav, but not the psak that Abaya had said. Here's again things that make people learn Gemara tear want to tear their hair out. Is Rabbi Yosef disagreeing that Huna and Yehuda might have gotten it from Rav? No, he isn't. He's just disagreeing with where is the precedent in Rav's teaching that serves for Huna and Yehuda's psak. Logically, it makes sense that what Huna and Yehuda said was a reflection of their great teacher. But you, Abaya, wanted to find in Rob's, the oeuvre of Rob's teaching, the precedent. Yosef corrects Abaya and says, that is not a proper precedent. This one is, however. Ella, l'chodamya. To this, is it similar? So let's see with this. The Amarav Achduboy. Another strange name, but it does come up in Shas. 
not as much as Gidel or Yehuda or Huna, but he was also one of Rav's students. Omar Rav, in the name of Rav, that's the key, Rav. Omar of Masna, okay, I'm sorry, I made a mistake there. Omar Rav, it goes back to Rav. Yom Tov, Shechal Liyot Bishabbat. Okay, so let's say you have a Shabbat, a Shabbos Yom Tov. Okay, Shabbat and Yom Tov together. All right. Hamaftir binavi bimincha. That if you would be taking the Navi out at Mincha time, Bishabbat, Ain Sarach Lahaskir Shal Yom Tov. Now, those of you should be shaking your head and saying, that never happens. What did we just say? We just said that on a Shabbos Mincha, not only do you read the Torah, but you also read from the Novi. Aha. Uh-huh. So you read from the Novi too. Now, of course, we do this on a fast day, like on Yom Kippur, and on a regular fast day. But here you see that there was a custom to read at Mincha from the Novi. That's what they used to do. Um, Rashi, right away, points out, well, what's going on? You're reading from the Navi at Mincha on Shabbos? I know you take the Torah out. That was already a takana from Ezra to start reading next week's Parsha at, at Shabbos Mincha, but you're supposed to read from the Navi too? So Rashi knows you're bothered by that. So here's Rashi on the side of the Shas here. Matsati b'tshubat ha'gonim show you regilim likrot b'novi b'shabatot b'mincha asora p'sukim that was their custom. That was their custom in the time of the Talmud, maybe stemming much earlier, to actually read Psukim from the Psukim. And he says it's Psukim from the Novi. And when did it stop? We may have Parsiim But during the, the neo Sassanid persecution, they, uh, uh, they one of their one of the things that they inserted themselves in Jewish life was stop reading from the Navi. And that was such a, 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 a overwhelming persecution. Rashi says, Kavan, since Shinistalku, once it was taken away and rose up and was gone, we stopped doing it. But there was considered a benefit to not only just read from the Torah, but actually to read from the Navi as well. Um, Rashi's grandson points out here on the bottom of the Tosos, two lines from the bottom of the page here, Rabbeinu Tam says the Navi, that's Rat, Rash Tov is, is the acronym for Rashi's grandson. Again, you get used to reading Tosos, you figure out who the shorthand is. That is Rabbeinu Tam, Rashi's grandson, named Yaakov, and Yaakov was Ishtam. Tirz Rabbeinu Tam, Dinovi Dehocha, this that we're saying we read from the Novi, Hainu, that is Ketuvim. It was not, remember, Tanakh is three parts, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, which is the parts of the Torah like Eov, Tehillim, Mishle, Divri Ayomim, Shokhoyu, Maftirin biktuvim b'shabbat b'mincha. He actually finds Rabbeinu Tam 
that there was a minag to, and he doesn't, he doesn't need the Gaonim, the tshuva that Rashi found. Rabbeinu Tam trumps his grandfather and says, I found the source in the Talmud itself that mentions the same idea that Mincha time, they would read from the Ketuvim. Now, th- this is actually a very fascinating thing, and I'm going to explain it in about a minute. I'm going to give you one minute to explain it. The Ketuvim happens to have been like like the like a pot boiler intellectually. It was so fascinating that we look at Eov and we can't make heads or tails of it. And uh, Divrayamim seems just very boring lists. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah might be able to be different, but 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 the Ketuvim are were considered fascinating reading, and people got as we say in Yiddish, by reading Ketuvim. That's why the Gemara says in Shabbos, which is one of the Gemaras that he's quoting here, Tosfos, that there was a takana not to read Ketuvim on Shabbos afternoon, because no one was going to come to Shul to Davim Mincha. They're going to get so caught up in their pot boiler books, they're going to be reading their Ketuvim books, they're not even going to be interested in anything else. Because Tehillim was interesting, Koheles was interesting, Mishle, all the things in Suvim, like, like, like really make you stop and think. It's not as dogmatic and straightforward. It's fascinating and interesting. And therefore, the rabbis actually did not want people reading at Shabbos afternoon because they wanted people coming to the Beit Midrash and studying the pure halacha, listening to the rabbi's speech. The rabbi's speech was a halachic information speech as well, that they felt the people needed. And if people are going to read Ketuvim, they're all going to be at home, and no one's going to come to Shul. But at, at, at Mincha already, they read from Ketuvim to allow it. In other words, okay, we're going to read. Up until now, you can't read Ketuvim. Now we can take out the Ketuvim and read it. And that's why, the Rebbeinu time explains, that they would actually read the Ketuvim at Mincha, and then they would make a big bracha after it because they took out a part of the Torah. So when that happened, so now we understand what the context is. Let's read it again. And if, let's say, it was Yom Tov and Shabbat, so you're going to take out the Haftorah, you're going to, in Mincha, you're going to read the Ketuvim, but Hamafter Benovi, Bimincha, Bishabbat, Ein Sarach Lahaskir, Shel Yom Tov. You don't have to mention Yom Tov at all. Why? Sheilmole Shabbat, had it not been for this was a Shabbat afternoon, where we want to make a special deal out of reading the Ketuvim at Mincha, ain't Novi B'Mincha B'Yom Tov. So even though Yom Tov is a day that uh, clearly uh, you do take out a Novi, on, on tomorrow we're going to take out the Novi and read the Haftorah, but the Mincha Haftorah doesn't apply. That's the parallel to the Musaf of Hanukkah. That's where you have a parallel, Rabbi Yosef taught Abaya. That is precedent. Because the, the, the Haftorah of Mincha is a complete Shabbos fixture. The same way Musaf davening is a complete Shabbat or Rosh Chodesh fixture. It has no connection to Hanukkah. And therefore, the same way Rav said, even though it is Yom Tov, we are not mentioning on Yom Tov Shabbat afternoon anything about being Yom Tov when we're reading the Haftorah, the blessing that we make after the Haftorah. 
That's a good parallel to the Psak of Hanukkah Musaf. That is, <laughs> that's a good parallel. That's what Abai, Yosef, he still had his brains at this point, clearly. And that's how we fine-tuned the proof. That's what it's about. It's not just getting it right. It's, it's how you got it right. And that's what uh, Rabbi Yosef uh, teaches us here. Okay. So just one last line. We'll end with this. The last hilchata shmaita. And that, I'm going to end with that. And the Gemara says, I know we've been talking about it, and it sounds like when it comes to be Chanukah, uh, it sounds like you don't have to mention Al-Anisim. But the Gemara now puts a kibosh on that and says, let, it's not Hilchata. The Aloha is not like Kikol Hani Shmaitita, like all these, Hani is these, Shmaitita, this discussion that we've been trying to figure out. Shmaitita is a Talmudic discussion, a Talmudic subject. Shmaitita, like the word Shema, it's what you've been inferring. The Aloha is not like this. Dalocha is not like you would have thought, like you like like it sounds like we're leading to. It sounds like we're trying to say you don't mention Alanisim and Musaf, because that's where the whole thrust of where we're going seems to be. Dalocha is not like that. And we're gonna see why. Uh when we pick up on this, if people are interested, we'll pick up maybe on this last little piece. <laughs> after uh, after Yomtev. So that's it for today. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.